I'm Jared Waitley. Here's a snapshot of Tuesday, February 6. Richmond Chief Executive Brendan Gale is feeling the February optimism. I guess I'm a naturally optimistic person. I think you have to be, Jared. But, but I think the one thing that's really become increasingly apparent is just the excitement and the energy from the, from the coach. I mean, I mean, really, we've known one coach, and that's Damien. And, um, and, but but I, 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 you know, we've got a coach who's obviously very capable, but he's missed out on a couple of opportunities before, and he's got his opportunity at Richmond. And I can see the energy and the enthusiasm, and with the capability and experience, it's a potent mix, and it's, it's infectious. You know, I'm really feeling it as well. Alistair Nicholson on the relationship between the coaches and the AFL. Look, we had a, uh, have a, a statistic that we, or a survey that we do, and, and we ask how the coaching groups, and not just the senior coaches, the whole coaching group, feel about uh, whether they're well regarded for the AFL, uh, by the AFL, and that's something that's um, significantly lower than it was pre-COVID. Um, with Andrew Dillon coming into the role, that's something that we've sat down and, and talked at length about. So, look, I think my answer to that is there's there's still some real frustration within the coaching group, you know, predominantly from soft cap change and, and, and certain things like that. But there is sort of an appetite to um, of obviously Andrew coming in to to really understand that and then, you know, look to progress that. And I think... Craig presenting to the commission yesterday and, and taking a fair amount of time and no doubt giving some really personal anecdotes um, is good for building that picture and building that relationship. And then obviously as a coach association, we've got an important role to, to work in the middle of all that as well. Expat Aussie Brad Sugars shared the story of hosting the Australian basketball teams during their Olympic preparations. The Fatita brothers who own the Stations Casino and sold the UFC uh, ultimate fighting, uh, they, their kids went to that school. So they put in a lot of money to build amazing stadiums, the Frank Fertitta senior stadium. And, uh, the, the, they even, uh, donated a lot of money to UNLV to build the sporting, uh, training facilities there. And that's where I think San Francisco's, uh, down there. I remember when the Australian, uh, we had the Olympic, uh, pre-trials here and I had to host the Aussie, uh, men's and women's basketball teams because it was middle of COVID and, of course, they couldn't go anywhere, and, and uh, they were supposed to train at UNLV, but the U.S. team said, nope, no one else is allowed in. It's COVID time. So <laughs> I, I got them training at my kids' high school, and they walked into the kids' high school, and I went, this is not a high school gym. Like, every kid had a box <laughs> rack. You know, it's like millions of dollars worth of stuff. And then at my country club, they're all in the swimming pool, and then the only place they could go out was my house. So, you know, we had barbecues and put them all in the pool. But uh we, we had to, my wife and I had to keep getting tested to be in the bubble uh, and be allowed to go to the game. So a lot of fun. Adam Hill on the rise of sport in Las Vegas. So I can tell you, I'll, I'll say with the NFL in particular, because first of all, the leagues were just so scared of, of what, you know, Sin City and, yep. and that, which, look, as somebody who grew up here, it's not that. It can be, but you can find trouble anywhere, right? So they were so scared of that. But, you know, there was a time when the NFL was so freaked out about Las Vegas and sports betting. You know, uh, NBC, you know, one of the major networks, had a show called Las Vegas. It was a fictional show, a drama, one of the great shows ever. I love, love, I love that show. But NBC broadcasted the Super Bowl. They weren't allowed to promo one of their major shows called Las Vegas. That's how scared the league was of just being any way associated 
with Las Vegas. And now, I mean, you look around, like this is a sports capital. It, it's crazy how far this has come so quickly. And, uh, and I mean, it, it's great to be a part of it for sure. I never expected uh, that the walls would come down not only at all, but I thought it would be a very long process. And really, as you mentioned, the Golden Knights come in. They're successful. They sell out every game. They're one of the best teams in the league. Every other, every other sport says, oh, this works. And now everybody's coming here. And Ian Smith on how the Australian tour of New Zealand shapes up. Long batting lineup. I mean, we've got Mitchell Santner at number eight in this test match. So I think what we're seeing there is a clue. New Zealand will stack the batting because they'll be very wary and respectful of the kind of firepower Australia will bring. Uh, I'm assuming, Jared, on the basis of uh, you and I both were there when uh, the West Indies knocked them over, um, they'll be a very hungry test side coming to New Zealand. Test World Test Championship points are up for grabs. And to my way of thinking, they'll be bringing their number one side. I, I haven't heard any rumours you may well have of Stark or Hazelwood or, or perhaps Cummins himself taking a breather. I don't know why they would do that, but the possibility is always there. Um, but I'm thinking Australia will be very serious about these two test matches and they'll be bringing numero uno in, in terms of their side. So uh, that, is, <coughs> that is what I'm hoping and that's what New Zealand public has sold out grounds for already uh, on the basis uh, it's the, the best of, in the world uh, and New Zealand trying to challenge them. And that's just a snapshot. The full program and all interviews are available through the Waitley podcast. Subscribe at sen.com.au.